0: Welcome to Gen Z Money episode 42. So there's nothing wrong with profit, but you do have we do have a responsibility to the community to educate them. Mm-hmm. Say, so for instance, um you know as home values begin to rise, uh, property taxes can slowly rise to 10-12%. So you want to you know at least provide some type of education for your community on okay, your property taxes were 500 this year. You're probably going to be 600, maybe 650 uh, the coming year, this coming year. Mm -hmm. So you need to set aside probably an extra 10, 12 bucks every month to do that.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Gen Z Money Podcast, where we turn financial peace to your reality. I'm your host James Bowman, and today I bring back on Courtney and Darius Petway Finances, the Kidvesters themselves. And this time, instead of talking about Kidvesters, we dive deep, deep dive, deep, deep, deep into their financial story. We talk about how they got started in their real estate journey, how they're going about continuing. They give such amazing tips on what private money is and how to get it. I mean, I love, listen, listen, y'all, y'all know I love me some real estate, right? So, they deep dive into how they got started. And I always say, man, I love seeing people that look like me doing the things that I want to be doing. And this is a prime example of it. So with that being said, guys, pay attention, take notes. They are putting y'all on game. If you have no money, if you have low credit, if you have all of these obstacles in the way, this is the episode you need to listen to. So let's jump right into the interview. Before we get into the interview, Let's hear a quick word from today's show sponsors. Courtney Darius, welcome back to the Gen Z Money Podcast for the second time. How are you guys doing on this evening?
2: Good, how are you doing?
1: I am phenomenal. I am so, so, so glad to have you guys back, especially after our first conversation where you know we talked mainly about KidVestors and the, that movement there. And you guys have been making amazing strides congratulations on the contest you guys when i saw that thank
3: you (laughs) absolutely
1: phenomenal i i just love what you guys are doing and it's very inspirational but this time to have you guys back i don't want to talk about Kid besters i want to talk about (laughs) courtney and darius because i think that that story and that journey is absolutely deserves an episode on its own so i really appreciate you guys coming back and sharing that
3: no problem no problem problem.
0: more than happy to yeah, delve into that. <laughs> I'll,
1: let, yeah.
3: I'll let
1: you kick it off. Uh, so, and then for those who did not hear their first episode, they were on episode 20. So, if you guys haven't heard that, make sure you guys go listen to that episode before this one because we might reference back to that. But without further ado, Darius, Courtney, let's start with. And normally, I like to take it back to the childhood, and we, we kind of talked about that last episode. So, let's talk about, you know, let's start where you guys found out, like, okay, We need to become investors. We need to get into this other space that people of color just haven't explored to its full potential yet. So were you guys together when you guys discovered that? Were you guys separate? How did that begin?
2: So we were already married when we started investing in real estate. I would say our the light bulb of us just needing to invest in general, I think probably started when we were married, when we were married too. Mm-hmm. um we got married what most might think were relatively young I was 25 well we dated we dated it like I was 21
0: wow, we dated forever we
2: <laughs> <good at> <laughs> so we dated for like two or three years engaged for one and got married and of course you know we were working regular jobs weren't high paying but we made a decent amount between both of us um but of course we wanted more you know we kind of got tired of that rat race life relatively quickly and you know we were just looking for alternatives while still working um you know we were trying to figure out how we could buy back more of our time um my husband he primarily came up here for seminary school wanting to pastor serve the community things like that and um um, i'll let him talk more about that
1: so (laughs) let's (laughs) talk about Darius. yeah
0: like most community leaders or don't make anything so i was trying yeah. to figure out a way to earn passive income and there's a dilapidated home like right beside right next door to where we were staying at the time and uh i'm looking at the property like i go and look at it every day and then one day i finally got up courage to tell her hey we should try and you know get this property um now at the right. time she was like no <laughs> you know, one of her coworkers workers uh, actually had an investment property and was telling her horror stories.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: initially she was like, no, what happened was uh, we decided to go like the education route. So we went to an uh, overly priced seminar <laughs> um, and we paid money. And although it was overly priced,
2: we made that back a lot.
0: We made that back like, a lot of so work. was it overly priced then if you made
2: more
0: than what you spent? Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's why we like that's why i to this day. Like, we do
2: <laughs>
0: we we give a lot of free game, yeah, right? Um, you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. I won't get <laughs> yeah. any
3: uh, program name, <laughs> anything like that. Yeah.
1: Courtney makes a great point. It's like, um, if you made the money back, was it overpriced? Mm-hmm. And then the first thing that came to my my mind was like college education. Right. So, you know, that's something people invest in. And although they make the money back, mm-hmm. it's still, you know what I'm saying? Still pricey. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing that came to mind.
2: It's still a good price. So first of
1: all, you mentioned something like you guys were married early.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Look, me and my wife got married at 18, 19. Or, yeah oh, wow. 18, we got sure. married we got married super early so i think you guys were right on the ball i don't think i was too early i think y'all are doing it awesome
2: you awesome. mm-hmm. don't hear about that
1: often yeah. anymore. well we were we were high school sweethearts i was in the military so it kind of all just fell into combobulation that way
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but then so I, I courtney i promise you i'm not trying to you know out you but <laughs> Vester's happened to be darius's idea <laughs> And then Darius also has this idea like, okay, hold on, that's dilapidated house. Like, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity. Right. And being a pastor, Darius, was there, because, okay, a lot of people think that real real estate investors are just these evil people who <laughs> buy houses, they kick out all the residents, they jack up the prices, and they do all this these evil things that you hear about in the media. You're right. a pastor, so yeah. was there even any like were you battling demons to think like okay am I doing the right thing am I doing the wrong thing or was it like I know this is the right thing to do because I'm going to make this home something that someone can actually take advantage
0: of certainly the latter certainly the latter it wasn't even like a, oh no it was simply a matter of you know at the time we were uh in a place called Shelby Park and um at the point that we were there, um, it was not nice. I always tell the story of when, when we first began to, you know, uh, flip homes in that area. I told one of my colleagues, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, it's on Camp Street." And He burst out laughing really loud at work, and he was like, "You mean Tramp Street? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of prostitution at the time that occurred uh, on the street. It still does." Uh, Nonetheless, I think um, one good thing that I think good developers and investors have is an eye to see not where something is, but where it will be, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so um, just seeing how, if you look at Shelby Park now, it's like night and day. Banks are building ground uh, ground up homes there. The only reason why they're doing that is because Uh, Small businesses or mom and pop construction companies like me and my wife, we started that work. Um, But to answer your question, uh, no, um, I had no trepidations about it. Um, This is a terrible home. I want to make it look nice. Um, In the process, I'm going to profit. That's not an evil word. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I learned that from a a seasoned, um, a seasoned business owner myself. There's nothing wrong with profit, but you do have, we do have a responsibility to the community to educate them.
3: Mm-hmm. So if,
0: for instance, um, you know, as home values begin to rise, uh, property taxes can slowly rise to 10, 12%. So you want to, you know, at least provide some type of education for your community on, okay, your property taxes were 500 this year you're probably going to be 600, maybe 650 uh, the coming year, this coming year. So you need to set aside probably an extra 10, 12 bucks every month to do that. Um, I don't think that math is math, but you guys get where my heart is. <laughs> but yeah.
1: No, I mean, it's it's very important what you just said, because although these expenses are going to increase, but yeah. your net worth, your the the wealth of your family is also going up and they're not linear, you know, they're exponential. So your net worth might go up a hundred thousand dollars in home value and your taxes are going to go up a thousand a year. So it's like, when you look at it like that, it's not a bad thing, but Courtney, I'm going to bring it to you because I'm pretty sure I was looking through you guys' Instagram page right now and I could not find it, but you guys (laughs) definitely made a post about that evil G word. I was just about to say it. (laughs) Gentrification. Okay. I, I haven't talked about it yet on the podcast, but I think there is no better people to get into the conversation with, especially where Darius just took it because I'm here for it. Right. OK, <laughs> that is just the <laughs> it's a, it's an evil G word and it needs to be discussed. Why mm-hmm. is gentrification a bad thing?
2: People have made it a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, cause again, when people hear it, all they hear is up, oh, property taxes are going up. People are going to get pushed out of their homes. And that is not entirely true. Yes. When you renovate properties, your home values will go up, meaning your property taxes will go up. But like you said, your property values are also increasing your net worth. You are, in, you have more equity now that you had prior and there are local programs to even assist people or um, those who are affected by their um, rising property taxes. So they don't just say, look, oh, your taxes are up, figure it out. There are programs you can apply for to help you if necessary. And on top of that, we always complain about the schools. Guess how schools are primarily funded? Property taxes. So if you have dilapidated homes, uh, drug needles everywhere, boarded up properties. How is that affecting not only your home but the community at whole? That's mm-hmm. also causing a negative domino effect on our schools. So there, you. What is the solution? So when people tell me, well, you know, well, we shouldn't be renovating these properties. We're pushing people out. What is the solution? What is the solution? Are we just going to keep these properties abandoned? Is is that what you want? <laughs> squatters. You want squatters? You want to continue seeing these dilapidated homes in your community and then wonder why you know there's not an investment in the community so what is a solution so when people complain I ask also what what do you propose we do and then there's usually crickets
1: yeah Yeah. Darius you want to add anything to that before I jump in because I I think Uh, yeah Mm. yeah I
0: mean (laughs) she she yeah she's definitely preaching I just yeah you can go ahead go ahead (laughs) yeah well
1: no she is preaching and it's like I understand. I get that there are concerns. But again, it's um. I like to relate it because I always like to relate things to other things just to get people's mind moving. It's kind of what, what we're talking about with this gentrification topic is kind of like the same conversation we have around taxes. The more money you make, the more you have to pay, the more your home is worth, the more property tax you have to pay. I get it. But we're talking about you know, gaining $100,000 in equity and having to pay $1,000 more a year or making an extra $100,000 of income and you have to pay an extra 10,000, 20,000, whatever that tax amount is on that income. So it's like, you cannot ignore the net gain of everything increasing Mm -hmm. without, and just look at what you're losing.
2: Right. And I always say too, I feel especially it's a responsibility to educate people. So not only do we do that through our social media, but even pre-pandemic, we were hosting free meetups to teach people how to invest, like in-person meetups Mm -hmm. to teach people how to invest in real estate. So those who, oh, wow, my property's values have gone up. I have this equity now. What can I do to it? Because equity not tapped in is just dead equity okay, your net worth went up on paper, but how is that getting you free? How is that helping you get out that situation? How can you leverage it to better your situation and invest yourself? And so I think we have a responsibility to not just better the community through renovation, but education. And then on top of that, even developers and flippers, you can even partner with your local um, city, your local county. They have programs where they will give developers money to build in certain communities and you have also responsibility to say okay i cannot charge more than x in rent or i cannot sell this house for more than x amount so you're not displacing those tenants so there's a lot of opportunities um, other than oh taxes went up you're displacing people y'all are evil (laughs) that's not the truth
1: yeah, I think um, oftentimes people when they feel like they do not have control over something, it's it's something that's very hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. You always want to look for someone to blame. So it's mm-hmm. easy to say, Darius, you bought this house, you flipped it, and now my property taxes are going up. You're the evil person. And right. unfortunately, there it's been shown that a lot of times, no matter how much good you do, there are still going to be people to point out the bad. Yeah. With that being said, there's a there was a story that kind of relates to this also. It was a it was a, just a little TikTok story about Hawaii, about how prices are going up, people are being priced out, and you know, it's like a gentrification of the Hawaii and, and home more homeless people are moving there and things like that. And so again, I just go back to that fact is like I get it that this can be a problem. Increase property taxes, increase expenses for repairs and things like that, but you're still coming out ahead. You always have to look at the positive, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to get back to you guys story. We kind of went on a little <laughs> goose chase, but I but I love it. It's it's a very serious topic that needs to be talked about, especially like gentrification and things like that, because I think that it's a it's a it's a it's a horror story. It's a ghost story to try and sell fear. So Darius you guys, you see this fixer-upper and you're like, all right, Courtney, we can do this. We can make this house beautiful. And Courtney's like, not this one, Bucko, not this one. And then (laughs) you decide, okay, we're going to go to a seminar. We're going to get more educated, even if you've paid a little bit more for it. But obviously, something sparked in her at the seminar. Mm
3: -hmm. So actually,
1: Courtney, I can go to you. What was it that sparked you in the seminar that you're like, you know what? He might be on to something here.
2: So as you can see our personalities, I'm pretty sure you can tell which one is the risk taker and which one is not. (laughs) So he's kind of like, let's just do it. And then I'm like, hold up. You know, how are we going to do this? What does this look like? A weakness of mine is that while I like to know details, details can be a strength of mine, but it can be a weakness because sometimes that keeps me from moving forward if I don't have all the answers. And so that's why I was hesitant, because I was scared. I didn't know how this was going to happen. I thought I was going to end up like my coworker with all these problems. (laughs) But going to the seminar, seeing uh, professionals who've been in the industry longer than me, who knew what they were talking about, could give me kind of like a plan of action on how to start, you know, from A to Z, what I need to do here, the next and the next and the next it helped me and it gave me more comfort and I was more comfortable taking the risk. So the education made me more comfortable taking a calculated risk.
1: You know, that's that's, <laughs> I know I, I love that because you're, you're speaking to half the audience, you know, half of the United States are, one is a risk taker and one is conservative and, and, you know, more cautious.
3: Yeah. And
1: so you're talking to half the audience with this. <laughs> and so it's like, But it's great to hear that although you were very cautious, although you were very detail-oriented, you you took the education and you said, okay, we're going to try it. A lot of people might get this education and continue educating, continue educating, continue Mm -hmm. educating, and never take that first step. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess, and I could be wrong, that you guys took that first step.
2: (laughs) I think we went to the seminar like august september i don't even remember it was sometime in the fall we had closed on our first property that december boom
1: so three months <laughs> so three <laughs> months y'all are well you said september yeah yeah like august, three months
2: september, something like that yeah
1: three to four months okay so let's talk about it Like, who wants to dare she want to get into that how how did you find <laughs> it what did it look like how did you talk her into it i mean she was like kind of already there but okay. yeah yeah um the blue house
0: Yeah. Okay. I was 1129, right? Yeah. So we were getting a lot of no's, Mm -hmm. but we had a mentor who was like, get at least 40 no's before you decide to just throw in the towel. Mm -hmm. When I say no's, I'm talking about the fact that we were coming in this uh, using OPM or other people's money. We had very little capital at the time
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and things like that. So, um, it was property after property we were getting no after no mm-hmm. and then finally um we got a yes with the property not only did we get a yes with the property from the seller we got a yes from um uh, an uh, an angel investor mm-hmm. and so it kind of this perfect timing so uh <laughs> we still don't know who uh this person is to this day but they partner with us to this day on project we
2: know them we just haven't physically yeah. met them I, yeah, okay so, yo, I <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> yo. i was like you don't even know his babe we just <laughs> haven't met them in person yeah yeah
0: I, yeah i see <laughs> i apologize but yeah i i don't know what this guy looks like what mm-hmm. this girl looks like mm-hmm. um and yeah so they ended up you know loaning us uh, a huge amount of
2: 000. yeah
0: one hundred seventy thousand. Mm-hmm. um and this was 2000, 17. 2017, mm-hmm. so um, the market wasn't so bloated, but that was perfect because we ended up, we, we did what we needed to do. We got our profit. And then that was kind of the, um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, phrases is, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> so I felt like, oh, taste and see that real estate may be good. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so from there, It it became like a domino effect. We we began to knock out properties, Mm -hmm. specifically in the Germantown and Shelby Park area.
2: And that's not. I'm objective enough to say that is not the case for most people. (laughs) Most people don't come out the gate with two basically strangers to us at the time um, giving no experience, no real estate background people, $170,000 to do our first project. Um, Like Derry said, we had very little capital. Our credit was okay, um, but we didn't have enough to take on that type of project. Um, Obviously we weren't occupying it. So, you know, personal traditional loans were out. Like you can't use, you know, FHA and all of that stuff. Um, We didn't quite qualify for conventional Mm-hmm. Um, hard money lenders, for those who don't know, hard money lenders, you usually have to have some type of experience. You have to have at least one or two under your belt. So we mm-hmm. couldn't get a yes from them. So, really, our only option was to get creative, yeah. um, to either wholesale until we stack capital or give it a shot with private money. And so, the, one of the things we learned in the seminar was how to, you know, put together a presentation, you know, sell your knowledge, sell your expertise, even though you didn't have experience sell them on your due diligence. And I think that's what helped these investors who literally were strangers. They're in California. We've done three deals to date with them. Again, we still have not met them in person, but our due diligence and being being professional um, and just showing that we were still educated, even if we didn't have the physical experience, I think Mm -hmm. is what helped, you know, gain the trust of getting
0: that lump sum and also getting them their money back
2: yeah that that <laughs> helps too <laughs> At the end of the day. it's crazy that you have
1: to mention that but that is that's a very big portion <laughs> of it so well Darius, you said you know you talked about your mentor giving you the advice like get 40 no's and then decide whether you're going to continue or not was yeah. this was what are you talking about when you say 40 no's? Are you talking about 40 no's from lenders? Or are you talking about 40 no's from sellers? Or are you talking about just 40 in no's all together? Yeah, you just ask yeah. everybody. I'm
0: at, yes. <laughs> everybody. Yo, know, I have this packet. I have this property. Mm-hmm. Um, we can offer up to this amount uh interest, mm-hmm. uh, annualized interest. Uh, if you decide to partner with us, this is a this is a a slam dunk deal, and so you get no after no after no, mm-hmm. um, and that that's where I think I realized like I was a entrepreneur because um, mm-hmm. the no's would kind of um, fuel you fuel me. I'm like okay, all right, <laughs> closer to my, that
1: yes. yes <laughs> yeah,
0: they can't <laughs> all say no.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. It's like every no you get is closer to a yes. Or at least if you get a maybe. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine how that would feel like. So you mentioned that or I think Courtney mentioned this, that you guys didn't have the capital to do this first deal.
2: No, it was it was literally one hundred and seventy thousand. That was to buy and to renovate.
1: So what was and you guys don't have to be very specific, just a general idea. What was your financial position looking like at that time? Were you guys in tons of debt? Were you living on less than you made? Already budgeting, kind of.
2: We we basically made a decent income and we were saving, um, but we just didn't have a lot of disposable income. Yeah,
0: yeah. Gotcha. And we were actually in because we were. I think I think that was like. We had been married how long? Like two years. Two years, yeah. So we were just—I like, feel like getting, getting our stride. leg, yeah,
1: <laughs> just getting our stride, and then we decided to go into real estate. So <laughs> yeah. But I—I want to emphasize that because a lot of times the reason that people use OPM, other people's money, is mm-hmm. because they have none, mm-hmm. but they have none due to financial irresponsibility i'll put it like that so it doesn't sound like you guys had financial irresponsibility you were obviously no. saving at the time you're living on less than you made you weren't in hundreds of thousand dollars in credit card debt you guys were in maybe not an optimal
3: yeah
1: uh financial situation but you guys also were not in a dire situation where you were thirsty and yeah. you need to make this deal work otherwise you're you are you you guys don't eat so right.
2: And I want to and I want to say too, like OPM, what we've learned from people who have who've done way more than us <laughs> is that uh, they still use OPM. They could have their own capital <laughs> and they will still, you know, crowdfund or syndicate or angel investors or just still just borrowing. And so Um, OPM, if done correctly, and not over leveraging can be a powerful tool. And it's subjective, because what I might feel is over leveraging for us could be pennies, you know, to someone else. Mm -hmm. So it's subjective. So that's when you have to know your risk tolerance, what Mm -hmm. you're capable of, especially if things go south. (laughs) Gotcha. And so
1: You guys also talked about building rapport. You know, Darius said, look, I got this packet. I got this deal. I have these comps in the area. I've done my research. And Mm -hmm. so you're not coming to these people with an idea. You're coming with a business plan, an actual business plan that Mm -hmm. has a proof of concept Mm -hmm. because these houses have actually sold in that area. So the the concept has already been proven. Mm -hmm. All you need is the money and you have the drive to make it happen so you guys aren't coming there empty-handed you're not coming hey i need money hey where's the deal at and you're like <laughs> i don't have it yet <laughs> so can we just go a little bit let's just uh, very you know glance over you don't have to do you know say every single thing but like what are some of the things that you bring mm-hmm. to someone who you would like to yeah so
2: to? obviously the address so you want the address mm-hmm. um the current stacks, you know, bedroom, bathroom count, square footage, all of that stuff. Everything about the property itself. Then, of course, the demographics.
0: Yeah, everything within a point six mile radius. Mm-hmm. And you, if you're really half good, point six? Uh, half, half mile. I'm sorry, <laughs> point five mile radius. My bad. My bad. Forgive me. I'm, just, I'm here. But um, uh, yeah. Uh, everything within a point five mile radius. Um, and if you're really good, um. You understand that even though some homes mm-hmm. are in that radius, uh, that streets make a difference. Mm-hmm. So if you're really good, you'll know. Okay, uh, this may be within a half mile radius, but this is on X Street. It isn't Y Street, and they have different valuations. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Uh, that's just another thing. And probably that's one of the most important things mm-hmm. uh, your comparables, because mm-hmm. that's going to let them know uh, the ARV and also going to let them know if you're actually capable
2: mm-hmm. of
0: returning their money with interest. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
2: And then also what we plan to do with the property. So usually we're doing some type of renovation. We're usually, most of the time, we're adding a bedroom or a bathroom or both. um We tell them what our extra strategy is if we're going to flip to sell. We're always flipping flipping you're just flipping it renovating it but are we going to flip to sell it or are we going to flip to hold it so we (laughs) so we always you know um sell them what we plan to do with the property because that also gives them an idea of how they're going to get their money back (laughs) um i think that's it pictures obviously pictures the existing stats of the property you know uh, market demographics um how much it will cost what our purchase price is how much we plan to um renovate it for we also throw in those carrying costs you know property taxes insurance um all of those things and so yeah i think that's the gist of what we include
1: gotcha there's i think it's super duper important that what you're talking about like every city every city i've ever lived in and been to has invisible lines (laughs) and it's like you might go to a city and you say listen you don't buy anything on the other side of this set of train tracks you know what i'm saying so so what you guys are talking about is absolutely real and it's super duper important to know the market you're investing in or to be using someone who knows the market you're investing in like the back of their hand like Mm -hmm. an agent family member etc i see courtney's face she's like that's what frustrates yeah.
2: me sometimes about wholesalers and no-knock-on-wholesalers because we will wholesale occasionally if, you know, there's a deal we don't want. No-knock-on-wholesalers, we use them.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but there are some out there that don't understand the invisible lines. Some of them don't even have lines at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, they will give us something that, you know, a mile and a half out, you know, sold 12 months ago or more, <laughs> like... The vis- or not then or they don't know about the invisible line. And so, you know, you you sometimes I have tried to teach, and then you know, one, they're like, Well, thanks, but I didn't ask you. <laughs> and then <laughs> some, some are a little more receptive. <laughs> but yeah, it's just those invisible lines really matter.
1: Okay, so you guys purchased your first property relatively recently. You know, 2017 really wasn't that long ago. No, it was mm-hmm. it wasn't. And so You guys didn't get in, you know, during prime time of the crash. Uh, I talked to a lot of people who who were fortunate enough, and that's when they started. But Mm -hmm. the mentality is way different. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was was middle school. So you guys got in relatively, relatively Mm -hmm. recently. And this first deal was a flip, if you said that correctly. yes so you guys were able to use other people's uh, a private money lender you built your rapport you Mm -hmm. gathered your comps you gathered all the information Mm -hmm. how did you even how did you even get in contact with this person did you look on yellow pages or
0: it was actually through that overpriced seminar uh, seminar. (laughs) like that's why it's like she said it may not have been overpriced because if it were not for that seminar we
2: probably
0: wouldn't have gotten yeah we probably wouldn't have gotten because well we didn't meet them at the seminar we met somebody who we asked but their money was tied up at the time but they recommended us to Mm -hmm. these Californians Mm -hmm. right so that's how this that's what networking does like Mm -hmm. uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah I'm, I'm starting to side with Courtney now there is I don't know if it was overpriced because the networking aspect that you guys just pointed out is absolutely Uh, almost priceless you know what I mean if you meet someone and you 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 know you get to know them and you Mm -hmm. you gain trust for them they gain trust for you their network now becomes your network and now you have credibility just by knowing this person and them trusting you so that's just crazy how things work out like you didn't even meet this person at the seminar because you Mm -hmm. still haven't met this person but you met someone that they trusted and that's that's awesome Mm -hmm. so you guys okay I assume I'm gonna I'm gonna assume again you guys knocked this deal out of the park. It it it, it performs mm-hmm. at least enough to pay your hard money. Darius, you look kind of kind of off. Okay, yo, yeah, I don't okay, know. Well, we go I do
2: We would have said knocked, knocked it out of the out park. park.
1: I think we made. We
2: got them their money back. Yeah, we, we made, like, <laughs> It was like a little under ten thousand. Yeah. Obviously, first timers, so we made a lot of mistakes.
0: Yeah, yeah, like yeah, we made like right under ten.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I. I was just blown away at the process. So, <laughs> a here we are, another dil- dilapidated home. It wasn't as dilapidated, but we still totally reconfigured the home. We brought the kitchen to the front. Um, we added on, you know, to the back of the house. We uh, waterproofed the basement.
2: We're doing too much, we, for like first we time, yeah, <laughs> we
0: were doing way too much. But then after all of that, to be able to pay this lender back and then to, you know, to make, you know, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, 10,000. I'm like, whoa, this is 10,000. It's like a bonus on top of, we both had jobs at the time. Like now I have a $10,000 bonus, it's like, let's do this again now this time (laughs) we know the mistakes to look out for Mm -hmm. but yeah it was really cool so
2: it was a jv deal for those who don't know who might be listening it's joint venture so that was kind of part we were had no experience for context so they weren't comfortable doing like an interest only kind of thing they wanted you know a little more split
0: so basically they got 10 we got 10 so
2: yeah so we agreed to a 50 percent profit split so they fronted all the money and then we really netted 20. And then, like you said, we got 10 and they got 10 on top of the amount of money that they lended.
1: So would you guys say, cause I, I heard that there's three rules of business. I, have, I haven't personally flipped the property yet. I'm not a renovation guy. I haven't gotten into it yet, but there's three rules of businesses. It costs twice as much, takes twice as long and you're not the exception. Do you, do? You, are you guys saying that that might be somewhat true? Oh It's yeah. true,
2: it's true still now.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's still always true.
1: Definitely true. It always
2: takes longer, always costs more. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Courtney, I think you're reading my mail because that was definitely my next question of how you guys structured <laughs> the deal with this lender. So a joint you guys did a joint venture where you basically did a profit split mm-hmm. where it was a 50-50 profit split. And mm-hmm. so you guys talk about it as if you did not profit as much as you guys projected. Is that correct? <laughs> <No>.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're supposed to be like 30 apiece.
2: Yeah. We were planning on 60 and 30, and that's because we underestimated how much the renovation will cost.
3: Yes.
0: And is. because
2: we underestimated the renovation, we bought too high, so we really, in hindsight, should have bought much lower than what we did.
0: We bought it at 101? 101.
2: 101. When we probably should have bought it at like 70
1: (laughs) yeah
2: okay so talk about
1: how how did that affect well obviously it didn't affect it too bad but how did that conversation go with this lender to say hey look you know you're not going to get the return you were hoping for how did Mm -hmm. how did you guys structure that conversation and what was the outcome of that
0: with the lender honestly Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they were they were happy for 10 grand in how many months
2: it took eight when it should have took six. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> there were so the cool part about real estate is that you can make a whole lot of money in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So, frankly, we didn't get any complaints. We just got the thank you for my money, thank mm-hmm. you for the ten grand, <laughs> right, and that's it. And when is your next deal? Mm-hmm. So, um, although we did project, um, we didn't get any yeah Yeah, and i
2: think it's too in this we also teach other people you don't promise them anything you are doing your due diligence and you are providing estimates but you also let them know you know this may not actually happen just being just being transparent you're investing what we're projecting might not occur so you're doing your best but you also let them know the risks and so um yeah, it's just plain and simple. And so, uh, and then from their perspective, think about it, they're a private lender. So they just still got 10 grand for doing absolutely nothing. I don't think any investment gives you $10,000 on your money in eight months <laughs> for doing nothing. Like he is truly earning passive income. He wired us 170, got 10,000 back on top of that in eight months. Gotcha. And so that's how we sell them is one, the return on the investment that is truly passive, but we also are transparent and saying, you know, we're not promising you anything, but this is what we're projecting and this is what we expect.
1: And so so, was this lender, was this also their first time private lending or or did they have experience? Okay.
2: They actually um, had experience and they used their self-directed retirement to do it.
1: I said, that's a different level of risk maybe right there. I don't know about that one. Okay. But I I like to hear that it did not, even though they did not get the returns that were projected, it did not completely destroy the relationship. You guys still did your best. You probably communicated very well along the process. You're like, hey, this has come up, so returns are coming down. Yeah. And although it may be frustrating, I mean, Very. it's the reality of investing. Nobody thought mm-hmm. we'd have a year like this year. So I, I really love how you guys are saying, like, you have to be honest up front that these are not guaranteed returns. Anybody who's going to guarantee you return in investing, it's a mm-hmm. scam. Yeah. You know? And so you guys weren't, you guys weren't cocky about it saying, look, <laughs> this deal, you better come get
2: it before it's gone, baby.
1: So. I I think that is awesome. I I, I love that. You guys are giving the listeners such great.
2: great And I want to pivot to say that was our first deal. We did joint venture initially. Then as we built up our experience, we were able to say, you know, you know, we don't want to give up 50% of profit. We're starting to, you know, get better at this. And so then that's when we just agreed to APR, like a, a fixed interest rate. So we would say, hey, we'll pay you initially, you know, just to get that lender, just to get that relationship. The interest rate was a little higher. So we would start off at like 11, 12%. And so we would say, hey, we will give you 11 to 12% on your money in X amount of months. So we should have this project done in like nine months. Mm -hmm. So you'll get eight to 9%. Um, Initially, we were also doing monthly payments. And then as we built more experience, we were like, nope, we're not gonna pay you monthly now. You're just gonna get the interest at the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was kind of like levels. Mm
1: -hmm. Gotcha. So you guys do your first deal. Mm -hmm. Darius was right. It worked. (laughs) (laughs) So... So where did it go from there? You guys flip this property, but Courtney, you also mentioned earlier that you guys don't flip and sell every single property. Some you hold, mm-hmm. you might refinance or you know, something like a burr. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys know yeah. So so what was the strategy going forward? You know, y'all y'all got this money. It's Darius said it's a bonus. So <laughs> that's a you did a lot of work for a bonus, man. I tell you
2: that so where where did it go
1: from there
2: i think uh so the first one was a flip the second was a flip well we thought it was going to be a flip turn rental um we we were second go around we yeah we were we we were too um optimistic is that the word i'm looking for on the arv so we didn't really get the price that we wanted so we were like oh crap (laughs) So we ended up holding it. We held it for a year yep. as a rental. We then we split and sold it again because um, we weren't getting the cash flow we wanted to. Um, we were just
0: breaking it. We into. just
2: basically, no, I think we made like a hundred bucks. We made what we're telling other people not to make. Yeah. We learned we our was. lesson.
0: We were scared. <laughs> Silly.
2: <laughs> Uh, we were like this ain't enough margin for us to hold on to it let us sell it while we can get out so we don't end up in the negative Yeah, yeah um then we put another one then we bought a fourplex then so we were just as deals came we would just to see you know okay is it a flip or is this a rental is it a flip or is a rental or hey we just wholesale this one so that's kind of how we approach it just depending on you know the return really
1: Gotcha. So let's talk about the second deal. I just want to point out, guys, as we're talking, Darius is sp- now actual street addresses. Yeah, oh, like, that's how sorry. that's how. No, no, no. This is great. That's just shows like how much mental capacity is going into this. Like, you remember that blue like Courtney's at the blue house? He said, oh, yeah. What? 1172. Know? <laughs> so these are these are things that you guys are obviously putting a lot of time into to do it right, to perfect your craft. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that second one. You mentioned that originally you guys purchased it with the intent Mm -hmm. to flip it and sell it, but Mm -hmm. you guys messed up the ARV Mm -hmm. in running your numbers. Was renting it one of your exit strategies from the get-go or was this something that you guys discovered after realizing like maybe selling right now isn't the right thing?
2: The second part.
0: (laughs) Um, But... Man, I find myself kind of being a switchcoat, a switch footer. This is where the education kind of helped, because mm-hmm. the only reason we knew to pivot was because mm-hmm. they told us like always be prepared to have multiple exit strategies.
2: We didn't listen that time though.
0: No. Yeah, and so <laughs> we didn't. Although we didn't expect to have to use it, mm-hmm. we still had it in the toolbox uh because of the overpriced education so <laughs>
2: <You say> over- <laughs> but yeah that that experience taught us okay yeah we definitely it worked out yeah but we definitely need to make sure if you can't flip it you can sell it or, or i'm sorry if you can't sell it you can hold it yeah. and if you can't hold it you can uh um wholesale it but yeah. you just don't want it to stay on your books especially if you're losing money so mm-hmm. always buy at a price where you can do multiple things that's kind of how we operate now
1: gotcha so would you say um okay so how do i i don't even know how to frame this question <laughs> Okay, so you guys, you guys have talked about selling and uh, flipping and selling, flipping mm-hmm. and holding and wholesaling. you guys kind of just done it all.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, with the second property, was the reason that you did not sell it? Because you guys said you were basically breaking even maybe making a little bit per month. So it, it obviously wasn't worth holding. Mm-hmm. What was going through your head uh, with the sunk costs? Is, is it the sunk cost fallacy? Right? Is that I might be making this up, but it's basically like, I put so much time, I put so much money, I put so much energy into this thing, Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose money on it um, up Mm -hmm. front. So was that
2: what was going through your head while you guys decided to rent or- I wanted to pay our private lender back. So this was a new private lender. So this wasn't the same, because I think we bought this property while we were still renovating the first one. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) And so what happened was- When we were paying our other one back on time and stuff, I guess word starts to get around in mm-hmm. you know rich people's circles. So <laughs> hey, get that young couple right there. And uh yeah, our mind our main thing, we will take an L before we let, mm-hmm. you know, uh, our investors mm-hmm. take a L, right? So that's our main thing. Lord, how are we gonna get these people
2: yeah, back
0: their money? <laughs> and thankfully. Mm-hmm um this one uh
2: he was local
0: this year yeah he was D- yeah, yeah
2: rest in peace duan
0: r.i.p <laughs> duan so yeah he was actually local <laughs> and because he was local he actually saw okay they're renting it out and then so he got the majority of the rent that's why we only yeah
2: plus because we him. had it, it doing extension yeah because we didn't get him his money back when we said yeah, we were.
0: that's how we kept him happy so <laughs> when, we, when we uh did the exit strategy where we were going to hold it uh, mm-hmm. We gave him the majority of the rent mm-hmm. um, uh, to kind of ease his feelings about, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to hold this for a year, but hey, here's, you mm-hmm. know, well, I think it was 1,200 or so. Here's almost 1,200. So. We're, we're going to give this to you every month mm-hmm. um, as a sort of peace mm-hmm. offering was until like we... It
2: wasn't,
0: yeah. It, wasn't more,
2: it no. was a lot, but so our interest rate didn't change. So we had a fixed interest rate. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, basically the the rent we were getting, basically a portion of that was going to our lender essentially. Okay. So like Darius said, that kind of helped.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember being, yeah, like so heartbroken, <laughs> but having to move forward, cause like one was, one was my guy mm. and uh, he believed in us like from the very beginning. Even when we first started, he took us out to this restaurant mm. And he just like bought us meals and Mm -hmm. stuff. And he just made us feel really at home because I had only been in Louisville for like two years or so at the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. With that second deal, A, how do we pay him back? Mm -hmm. B, okay, we are having a pivot with this exit strategy, but how do we keep him happy in the meantime until we sell this home?
2: Mm -hmm. And then he was black. (laughs) So I was really excited because he was like the first, um, black real estate investor we actually kind of met um mm-hmm. uh, well i take it back george george i thought we
0: met him before george though we met oh we did because we met
2: him at the seminary. Yeah. we met him first but um yeah so for him to take us kind of under his wing and then not only mentor us but also be our private lender and be patient with us as we navigate. Oh crap, we messed up. (laughs) And be patient with us and arrange payments, stuff like that. It was cool. And so we just, we learned new lessons, each (laughs) property, new property.
1: See, it seems as though that you guys are not playing the short game to make as much profit as you can to -hmm. retire early. It sounds like you guys are playing the extremely long game. And the reason I say that is because it is obvious that you guys care infinitely more about the relationship, the trust and the mm-hmm. you know, the relationship and conserving that mm-hmm. than the potential profit that you may be missing out on. Because right. a lot of people have this misconception is like the reason I wanna use other people's money is so mm-hmm. if the deal doesn't go bad, then I don't lose all my money. And that is a very, very yeah. poor way to operate. And I think that's yeah. the fastest oh. way yeah
2: and it is false
0: yeah because you're gonna get sued
2: (laughs) (laughs) people think llc let me just break it down go ahead people think llc's think oh if i buy it in my llc you know i have no personal liability yes and no most of the time when people are buying llcs especially if you're not using private money you are signing what's called a personal guarantee so even if you default guess who still has to pay that money back? You personally, <laughs> which means your personal liability, your personal assets could still potentially be seized although you bought in an LLC. So if you pierce the corp- corporate veil, if you default on payment, if you do anything fraudulent, that LLC goes boop out the window. They don't care. <laughs> um, only rare instances where you don't file a personal guarantee is when that can kind of hold true. So... A lot of people hear OPM and like you said, they think, oh, free money. (laughs) That's not the case at all.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I I appreciate you pointing that out because, and a lot of people, I hate to say it, but even a lot of people, they want to do the LLC thing on their own. They want to structure it on their own. They want to file all documents on their own and they end up doing it wrong. They end up mixing funds with personal funds and in business Mm -hmm. funds. And Mm -hmm. it's very, very easy to force the corporate veil in that instance. Mm -hmm. So. It's not a fail-safe. And anybody who's looking at using other people's money, you need to, I think the the thing that just separates the good investors from the bad is you need to be more afraid to lose someone else's money than you need to be able to lose your own money. Yes. <laughs> like I think that's the best thing because like I'll lose my money all day. I will buy a deal, <laughs> it will go south, and I'll lose my own money. I gotta all I gotta do is convince the wife that it wasn't my fault. And that's it. <laughs> If I start losing somebody else's money, uh uh-oh! now I got to talk to his wife. I got to tell his kids why they got their money back. I'm not doing that. So it's, it's great to see that you guys are spreading the message like, yes, using other people's money is fine. And that's what rich people do. There's nothing wrong with it, but it needs to be taken extremely serious. Otherwise... You're, you're playing with other people's money. In some cases, you're playing with other people's retirement. You know, they're you really are. And really. a lot of people thought their hands say, hey, it's the risk of being an investor. It's like, no, you're 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 truly people are putting their life in your hands to try and give you an opportunity while also seizing an opportunity themselves. So
2: what's funny is that meeting with our second investor, he did bring his wife. I thought we had to convince her. She more, like, more than what he did he was like so what happened to this and what happened to that?" <laughs> and so it's so funny now though because we still have a relationship and although he has uh unfortunately passed um you know we went to the funeral and uh she even reaches out to us and she even wanted to invest with us afterwards and that we thought that was just kind of so so cool um mm-hmm. that she wanted to do that but yeah Well, I
1: mean, well, look at it from her shoes. Look at what you guys did in order to preserve that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like you guys messed up. You guys were not perfect and there's nothing wrong with that. And Mm -hmm. you guys did everything in your power to preserve that relationship, to make things right, to keep things afloat, Mm
2: -hmm. even if
1: it meant you were losing money. But Mm -hmm. I think that is the most powerful thing. And so like a whole lot of you guys, Instagram and a whole lot of your education is, about this topic we're talking about, you know, mm. respecting other people's money, using it wisely, finding the right deals. So it's just great that we could talk about it and, mm. you know, let people know, like, this is an option, but it should not be uh, seen as a less risky option. Mm. Right.
2: That's good.
3: That's All good right. what you said.
2: You just so, summarized it perfectly. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so you guys, you flip and sell, flip and hold, wholesale. I mean, <laughs> and you guys do it all right <laughs> and are you guys just in one market primarily or are you guys nationwide is on your side oh. or you guys...
2: i don't even have the mental capacity <laughs> yeah
0: it, it, it's so it takes it takes a lot
2: and um, we're in construction now
0: yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah just our projects taking on uh you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh clients project mm-hmm. is just if, if i can't be there right now um we don't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. to um right. stretch
3: out right now that far.
2: We're growing slowly because the goal is to of course grow our team. Mm-hmm. But until that happens, we are here in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> but that uh, again, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound
1: like redundant, but like this is so great because that's what all that's what a lot of beginning investors do. They mm-hmm. think I need to have a team in Dallas, I need to have a team in Jacksonville. I need to have a team in New York. I need to. Ha- I need to be able to jump on every single opportunity that comes to the nationwide. And I'm mm-hmm. like, listen, you need to master your backyard. <laughs> Learn one market. I invest in one market. I invest in a ten mile radius. I'm not going outside <laughs> those ten miles. We and got that- our
2: certain zip codes that we
3: kind
1: of exactly. <laughs> but I, I guarantee you know it better than the back of your hand. And I had Tom Brickman, the frugal gay on episode 34. He talks about he invests in Toledo, Ohio. And we talked about those invisible lines that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. and how all of these investors are flocking to Toledo because they see you can pick up a house for $11,000. Well, you don't realize that that house is never going to appraise over 30,000 because they <laughs> don't know the market, man.
2: And so. Can so, we talk about that, please? Let's talk about it, because I mean, look, like, oh man. <laughs> so we always say, just because a deal is cheap doesn't mean it's good. So even here in Louisville, Kentucky, you have certain areas where you could get houses below twenty thousand, but they've been below twenty thousand for quite a while, and there's a reason for that. And so you have to understand. And then I'm not, I, I am not. I don't like, this is my personal opinion. I hope I don't get canceled for this. Some investors will buy properties have no intention of renovating them, holding them, boarding them up in hopes that they will appreciate and sell later. And all you're doing is just harming the community further. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And so I have a problem with that. And so that's what unfortunately a lot of these investors do. And it does not help. Um, so if you have really no intention of doing something with the property and you haven't done your due diligence, or you haven't teamed up with people in that market to at least help you don't come over here. (laughs) That's my little two cents. No, I I a hundred percent agree. I think,
1: I, I mean, I can't wrap my head around how they think that would actually work, but to each his own. I mean, Investors do some crazy things, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I mean, I like to compare you guys to like, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines, where you guys focus on one market. They do Waco, Texas. You guys do Louisville. And that is you guys' market. And you guys are not just gentrifying it, but you're improving the entire community by flipping, selling, renting, and things like that. So it's just awesome. It's really awesome to hear that. Oh, thank you <laughs> so what do what is you guys overall portfolio look like right now um like how many flips have you guys done up to this point how many rentals do you guys have you don't have to if you guys don't want to get into it it's it, I we, if it's too personal
2: I think we have I really can't even count we I want to say as far as flips we're right around the 20 range not a lot but I feel like that's a lot in the period of time we've been doing it. Not a lot. <laughs> well, no, it's not a lot. When this. I compare it, when I hear it to other investors who've <laughs> done like a hundred, they're like, oh, I've done a hundred flips. I'm like, oh, I haven't nearly touched that. So I think it's a lot for the time frame we've been in, but it's not really a, a lot. Um, we bought a fourplex. We had the rental, we sold it, and then a the duplex.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what we're really focusing on in one of our long-term goals is we're trying to venture into commercial um Our market in Louisville, the median home price is around two twenty-five to two fifty. So we've learned in the past, we like to flip single-family homes, but we like to hold multifamilies, three or units or greater, because it's really just hard to get the cash flow and the return you want in our market with just traditional single-family homes. Like you're not going to get that 500 six hundred dollar, maybe even eight hundred like net cash flow. In a single-family home, like unless it's free and clear, it's like not going to happen. um And so we're kind of we're trying to venture into the commercial space. um What's funny is we have the money at our fingertips because we have the network. It's finding the actual property that pencils out and makes sense. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Gotcha. But it doesn't sound like you guys are in a rush. You know, it it is the next logical step. Yeah,
0: no, she ain't (laughs) rush. I'm in a rush.
2: I'm trying to retire.
0: (laughs) We, we move more so we well we aim to operate in wisdom more mm-hmm. so than um, you know being antsy yeah so while we do you know strongly have strong desires for
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know commercial properties um we we've learned from we told you about a second the second property we've learned about being too optimistic so mm-hmm. we just if it comes along it comes um we'll continue to look diligently but until then we're not we're not going to reach too hard because that's when you end up losing your balance and falling over. So yeah.
2: We're super conservative. We've met, we've, we've met, we've only put offers on two so far. Yeah. Um, One was that one downtown it was like a 42 unit, yeah, but it, yeah. they wanted way too much. We shot our shot. Definitely yeah. with a low offer, yeah. but we were like, Hey, whatever. We're going to try. <laughs> and then the other one was that uh, the hotel motel, But it was like all one ones. We're like, we don't like one ones. So we were thinking about converting them to like two twos, Mm -hmm. but it just didn't. We made the offer based on how it would pencil out. And of course, they were like, no. (laughs) So we're trying. Maybe follow up next year and we'll have a different (laughs) answer for you. All
1: right. So, Darius, you mentioned that either you were a pastor or you are still a pastor.
0: Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I'm in ministry now at my local church here at Soldier Midtown and uh, I get to lead my community group as well as uh, be a part of initiatives uh, through uh, the local church. And uh just grateful to serve my community in a way that I in a way that I think is best. So, yeah.
1: Gotcha. And so I'm I'm going to assume that the education that you guys are putting out, especially on your Instagram, is a po- is a positive part of serving community, uh, teaching others. Have you, have you tried to use that in ministry, you know, uh, help people purchase homes or even give them inspiration to say, Hey, look, you know, you might be able to go out and purchase a home that might be a little dilapidated, but this can really help you build your net worth and create generational wealth? Or are you kind of keeping those separate? Or what is your philosophy on that? And if it's too personal, you can let me know.
0: Yeah, no, you're okay. I just, uh, I'm more of an open book and uh, I have an open door policy regarding stuff like that. So, um, but at the same time, I don't give unsolicited advice. So if you come to me with questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. But I don't give unsolicited advice because many times um, the truth doesn't look good, especially when it comes to um, home acquisition. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I just I shut up, you know, let people you know do what they do. Wish them the best. Pray that everything works out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's how I operate. I, I don't really compartmentalize the two. I can't because it's just the way I live my life. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, I do my best to practice what I preach, and like I said, if if uh, and, and people have come to me, uh, very few, but people come to me when they have questions. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely give off the vibe like if you ask me no, or uh, don't ask me nothing, and expect <laughs> me to uh, not tell you the truth. So um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of move.
1: Okay, well, you know what? This is going to be a personal question for me because I also, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm not in ministry, but I do love helping people. And so, but I am one of those guys that will give completely unsolicited advice. And I've been working (laughs) on it because I realized, I quickly realized that it does not work at all. And so how does someone, do you have any tips for someone? (laughs) Not me, of course, not me, of course. But do you have any tips for someone who has this burning passion in their heart to help people build generational wealth and help people, you know, because you see people complaining all the time. That's all I see on social media, complaining, you know, gas is too high, uh, rent's too high, all these problems that are problems, they're legitimate problems, and they need to be solved. And I can help them, but they're not necessarily asking for it. So, (laughs) so like... Any tips, man? For anybody out Um, there, not me, of course. But I
0: would say um, just, you know, continue to do, you know, what you're gifted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Like within your lane, just do your thing. And I just think that as, you know, you operate within your giftings, operate within your callings, people will come. Those who need you will come, right? Yeah. Yeah, the what I've learned from giving unsolicited is, advice is the same thing that you have. It usually doesn't work. It wasn't me. <laughs> it, it actually must turned to animosity, <laughs> right? Because now, you know, you you told this person, hey, this isn't a good deal. They just wanted a home at the time. You told them it was a good deal. Now they're going through a, a home buyer's remorse. And now every time they see a problem in their home, they think of you, right? <laughs> so. Um, yeah, just, uh, just like I, I'm on here, you know, being honest with you, um, you're asking me questions. I'm I'm not, you know, seeking you out, but you're asking me questions. I just learned, I think a great philosopher said, uh, stay in your lane. I think the great philosopher, his name was LaVar Ball. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shout out to Levar. But, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I stay in my lane, um, and just know that you know the people who need me will come to me mm-hmm. when they come to me I'm honest uh, of course gentle too you're honest and gentle but at the end of the day the truth is the truth regarding the situation regarding what your budget looking like regarding what your income is looking like and you just want to you know communicate the truth about the situation so
3: yeah
1: yeah i think a a very important part which i also learned uh, relatively quickly is like um, the truth is nice. I think the truth is always the best thing, but I also think that delivery is even more important than the truth. And, uh, since we're pulling out quotes, a quote <laughs> from uh, Charlemagne, the God on the breakfast club is like, <laughs> is honesty without honesty, without empathy, or it's, it's something along the lines of honesty without empathy is brutality. Meaning Ooh, that's if that's you good. tell someone the truth, if it is too harsh, it is not going to come across as helpful. That's and so really yeah, I quickly learned that that honesty it's like
2: without empathy is brutality.
1: I don't think the word is empathy. I'm gonna look it up real quick, but this it's well, empathy, if it's not, it's about to be. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah, it's along the lines of like honesty without kindness is brutality, you know. Empathy, sympathy, things like that. But you guys get the gist, and um, I've mm. I very quickly realized that that uh, the the phrase that at least we coined in the back, black community is like tough love. Sometimes mm. it, it's not received as that, and so still no. working on it. But I'm really glad that you pointed it out. It's like even if it's the truth, sometimes you still you got to put the uh, you have to put the medicine in the candy. It has mm. to be easy to digest in order for it to help someone. And so Absolutely. planting that seed, like we might talk about on here or you guys even talk about on your Instagram page, you just plant that one little seed and then they might come back and say, hey, what do you mean by this? Or, mm-hmm. hey, you said this one time, do you mind elaborating? And I think that that's a great way to spark curiosity because then it's their idea. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's their idea.
2: Our Instagram is full of unsolicited advice. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> we're We're going to go ahead and like, Wrap it up, get into the final questions. And it's the same. I I asked you these questions on the last episode. I want to just see if things have changed. Mm -hmm. So, Darius, we'll start with you. Like, what are some of your long-term goals for the next five to ten years? And what does the finish line look like for both of you?
0: My long-term goal in five years? um, Plant the church, revitalize the church. Um,
1: What does that mean?
0: Planting means actually starting up a church. Um, yeah, either starting up a church or revitalize, meaning mean going to a a church that is pretty much a dead church and uh, just giving my energy and, you know, efforts to that and uh, by the grace of God, you know, bringing it back to life and uh, bringing, you know, a, a new converts as well as... Uh, uh conforming uh myself and others more so to the image of Christ. Um yeah, that would be one goal Two Kid that we um <laughs> would um I'd like to potentially sell.
2: Ooh, we can talk about that sell one.
0: Sell <laughs> for I like to sell Give
2: don't
1: access. give a number don't give a number't number. yeah don't give a number don't <laughs> okay.
0: yeah I would like to potentially sell that I we'll get it to the point where we can sell it for um uh at least eight figures.
3: Jeez.
0: um uh um and then on the real estate side uh commercial mm-hmm. just um you know at least two to three commercial properties where uh, we own them and uh, we, of course, making money through those. So yeah, that gotcha. would be the three long-term objectives. Spiritual, uh, plant a church or revitalize a church, Kidvestors, joker <laughs> um and uh, real estate. I get a few commercial uh, properties.
2: <laughs> so mine would be my kids are becoming school age. And so I'm kind of vacillating between homeschool or whatnot. So one of my long-term goals of obvious, well, first of course, is I really want to get into commercial. I would really like help us um, meet our, I call it the get free number, <laughs> get free. Because um, what people don't realize entrepreneurship is still a job. You're just still working for yourself. So we want to generate enough passive income where we didn't do anything else for the rest of our life, (laughs) working for ourselves or other, we would be good. So commercial makes the most sense for us. So getting that one or two apartment buildings Um, with that, uh, one of my goals is to hire, like have an employee, like a nanny, like an in-home person um, to be with our kids. I would definitely primarily still be doing everything. But the areas where I'm not strong in, especially like teaching-wise, having someone I know that can pick up like certain subjects. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a fan of how the school system is going right now. Public, private, whatever. <laughs> so I like the idea of having that. Uh, that's a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, investors I do want to make it a sellable and scalable company. I'm not sure of whether I would want to sell it because I would definitely want to know who I'm selling it to I wouldn't sell it to anybody who I don't think would do right by the company for a dollar amount but I will say I would entertain it if the price was right (laughs) I would would entertain it if the price is right so we are definitely being strategic on how we're setting up the company um but i'm still not sold on selling it i don't know if it's like a pride issue or something or the idea of like just selling your baby yeah
0: well if we make it we, yeah i mean because some people don't
2: do right they acquire it and then it's like trash listen,
1: <laughs> if you pay me i shut up so <laughs> what's the you guys can always go start another one right <laughs> so. i don't know
2: i won't be start. this is the last startup <laughs> i will not I think, too, if we sold it, the only caveat is we would still keep the rights to the name.
1: That okay. would have to
2: be part of it. We get a board seat, keep the rights to the name, so they could actually have a company and then lease the name naming rights from us.
1: That's a smart way of doing it. But, Courtney, I really appreciate you kind of <laughs> admitting that, like, you're not... Uh, you're not a perfect person in all areas and you have weaknesses just like Darius, just like myself, Mm -hmm. and you're not afraid to delegate those weaknesses to someone who's better at it Mm -hmm. than you. So if you're not the best Mm one-on-one teacher, I do not have patience and I'm bad (laughs) at English. So my wife is going to be the English teacher and I'm going to be the math teacher. I love numbers, but I, uh, being able to delegate your weaknesses, I think is, is a super duper important, um, thing that most people need to learn how to do and everybody's still learning how to do it but i I appreciate you admitting that you you have weaknesses and you're not afraid to let someone else do it because guys i really appreciate you coming on the podcast for the second time i'm not going to ask you the final questions because i already got them from you guys on episode 20 (laughs) which will be down in the show notes guys where you guys can listen to them talk all about this uh Eight-figure business kid messes that Darius has to sell for eight figures. But yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on tonight and, and sharing your story, sharing your tips for getting into real estate, using other people's money. I think that um you guys dropped a lot of impressive nuggets that people are really going to be able to look at and act upon, like building rapport and going to overpriced seminars to try and network and, and things along those lines. So.
0: We appreciate you for having us. Thank,
2: this, thank as you. Usual. We we enjoy the questions. Very thoughtful questions. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you guys are awesome, and you're
1: always welcome back. To as <laughs> soon as y'all sell kid vests, I'm sending a message say "Hey, come on, let's
2: talk about it."
0: <laughs> we'll happily talk It'll about it. it would be this. so funny
2: if it happens. We can timestamp it. What's today? July seventh. Like, July
1: eighth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. July
2: eighth. <laughs> I'm behind. Look at that.
1: <laughs> but all right, guys. uh like i said i really appreciate you guys coming on you're always welcome back and i truly truly hope for the best i have nothing but high expectations for you guys and to continue but before we go wow i almost forgot where can people find out more about you guys
2: (laughs) petway estates p-e-t-t-w-a-y estates plural like real estate we're on all platforms tiktok instagram twitter what else facebook pinterest (laughs) um petwaystates.com um, if you want to work with us if you are in louisville kentucky indiana region and you want to buy sell a house or you need your house renovated Petwayestates.com. Um, and if you want to learn if you want to do what we do um, you can go to thepetways.com or flippinga to z.com And of
1: course, guys, I'm going to have all of those, both of those websites, all three of those websites
2: and all of their
1: social (laughs) media handles linked down in the show notes below where you guys can click it and get over to get in contact with those guys. But yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on and having this conversation. It's been very, very inspirational. And again, Mm -hmm. I just love, I love, love, love to see (laughs) Black people doing what I want to be doing. It gives me so much inspiration and so much Ah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank well, we you. We love this. You love
0: it. And we appreciate you so much. No problem.
1: You guys have a blessed rest of your night, guys. You too. You too thank too. you. Man. Oh, man. I really hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation I had with Darius and Courtney. I mean, we went over so many different topics when it comes from invisible lines, knowing like, hey, look. Don't buy a house across those train tracks. Every city has invisible lines. So it's very, very important when you're picking your market to invest in, you need to learn where those invisible lines are. You need to talk to the locals and say, hey, what side of town would you never live in? What side of town would they have to pay you to live in? And they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, I don't go on that road or I don't go on that road or whatever the case is. So knowing these invisible lines, we talk about gentrification, guys. Gentrification is just a scary word people try to use to scare us, intimidate us, and make us feel like victims. Gentrification is not a bad thing. We can gentrify our own neighborhoods, and we can stay in them. And how do you do that? You listen to podcasts like this. That's how you do it. The goal of gentrification is not to just kick everybody out of their house. It's to raise all of the home values in the area. Do not be afraid. Do not sell. Take advantage of this opportunity when somebody's bringing it to you. When we talk about the BRRRR strategy, we talk about private money a lot. Man, oh man, like these guys are so experienced and they're always dropping free knowledge. So if you guys are not following them on Instagram, you need to go follow them. They're dropping free knowledge every single day on how to get started in real estate. They literally make this content for you guys. If you have kids, you need to send them over to Kid KidVestors. I'm going to have that link down in the show notes because you guys need to be following these guys and absorbing all of their content because you are going to become a millionaire behind it i have no absolutely no negative thought in my mind that these guys are not going to go places they're not going to teach hundreds maybe even thousands of people how to follow in their footsteps so if you're just listening to this podcast go absorb their content go absorb the Kidvestors content. Go absorb it all and take action. They're gonna give you every single step it takes and it's free, it's charitable. Pastor Darius, man, he's doing this for you guys. So you need to take advantage of it and don't be a loser and listen to this and do nothing. That is not going to help. I really hope you guys find inspiration in this. I really hope you guys find a lot of good knowledge in this and hopefully it's what it takes for you to get started. But without further ado, guys, I'm your host, James Bowman. And always remember, you're only as secure as your ability to perform. So spend your life accumulating assets that can perform for you. Later, guys.